Hello there. Welcome to Common Sense Fitness. My name is Dave. And I'm Erin. And this is the show where we talk about health, fitness, and well-being. We take away the hype and we talk about how to take a common sense approach. Erin, if you could eat one thing for the rest of your life and one thing only, what would it be? Oh, pizza. Pizza. Yeah. That feels like cheating because it feels like it's kind of <laughs> quite a few foods in one. You didn't stipulate. True. Okay. Wait, do you want me to say carrots? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was literally, as the intro music was playing, I was like, oh, no, I need to ask you a question. What's the question? And that just what popped into my head. No, it's just because, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of ingredients there. So That's why it's beautiful. Yeah. That's the one thing, right? Because you can have, there's so much in it. Mm. That's a smart one. What about you? Oh, now you've said pizza. I kind of just want to say pizza. Well, I mean, look, we can both eat the same thing. Pizza is pretty, like, there's so much scope. It, there is, right? Pizza. You could even have like a breakfast pizza or a dessert exactly. pizza. Exactly. But mm-hmm. what if it was like one pizza? like Pepperoni. Same, oh. <laughs> Just, when I grew when I was growing up, um, there was a pizza place near us that did a taco salad pizza. That sounds horrific. <laughs> it does, but it was amazing. So it was all like, it was the pizza base. Uh-huh. Then you had like refried beans. That was the, Ugh. that was the base. And then lettuce and tomato no, lettuce and has cheese. N- well, it, wasn't, no. it wasn't cooked on there. Like it was all fresh toppings, but oh. So, so walk me through that. Is the base, like. The base was cooked with the beans and the cheese. And then all like the fresh toppings would go on top uh, of it. And olives and. Like this is a classic American combo, right? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I um, watched a documentary actually about pizza in the US the other day. Predominantly focusing around, I think it was in the. Uh, is in New Jersey. There's like three really famous pizza places. Um, anyway, and then there was like a segment of them ripping through um, like Chicago pizzas. Oh, and they're like, like the deep dish. <laughs> oh, and they're like, no, this is a um, what was it? This is a tomato uh, quiche or a tomato. <laughs> you know, they're just so deep and dense that is not remotely a pizza. It's like look something else. That is true. Interestingly, if I were to only ever, Ooh, that's actually a complicated one because if I were only ever to eat a pizza for Uh the rest of my life, uh, my aunt and uncle used to live in Chicago and there was a New York style pizza place near them that did this They Oh, I don't know what they did to this thing, but this cheese and sausage pizza that like, I would happily eat that for the rest of my life. Just that from that one pizzeria. That seems odd that you'd have a New York style in oh, Chicago. Well, New York style's everywhere, really. Okay, I guess. Um, I just take pride in the, I don't know. I don't know how there's been such a schism in the US pizza scene. So regional. It's very, it, it, America is indeed a collection of 50 small countries that yeah. don't like each other very much. Mm. There you go. <laughs> My concise times. summing up of American culture and <laughs> culture. Oh, moving on. <laughs> Let's get on today's on to today's show and our topic. And today we are talking about exercise, what a surprise, and recovery. Very important recovery. Very important recovery to go with your exercise. Mm. It's like uh, it's the cheese to the sauce. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Can't, can't have one that. without the other. Can't have one without the other. Well, you can, but it's not as good. So I actually used to I used to be a Pizza Hut boy. I worked at Pizza Hut for three years. Mm. Um, in in my school year. Um, while I was at school and had both people ordering pizzas without sauce 
and then sometimes just sauce, no, nothing else. Oh, what? Yeah. Why? And can confirm, like, a pizza without sauce and just cheese, it doesn't work. You need... You need, well, it's just cheesy bread. Then. It's like a glue. Like the sauce <laughs> is like a glue. It is. So just like exercise, recovery is a key part of mm-hmm. that pie. Yeah. Of the recipe. Yeah. We're getting deep into the entendres today. I like this. I am. I am here for pizza. Cool. Uh, what is recovery? Why is it important? Those are the big questions, right? They are. Hmm. Tell us more about recovery, Erin. Why? Why do we have to recover? Well, Surely going just moving forward is going to be the best thing, right? Yeah, recovery is what lets us, right? So recovery, when we define it from an exercise science perspective, it's all of the activities that we do to help our bodies essentially replenish, rebuild, recover. So when we look at the physical stress of exercise, movement, physical activity, that creates a little bit of wear and tear in our body in a very recoverable, repairable way. Recovery is what our body or what we do to help our body go through that process. So taking a step backwards a little bit, maybe just uh, uh, for the for the listener at home, a mm-hmm. bit of a refresher of actually what is happening when we're exercising or when we're dealing with, if we just use muscle building as an example, mm-hmm. if we're, like what's happening at a cellular low level there yeah, that might necessitate recovery. Yeah, that is a very valid thing to want to know. Just to to put this all in perspective. Yeah, so when we move our bodies, we create stress, actual physical kind of tension and pulling and little tears. So we actually call them micro tears. And again, this is in the the scientific literature. We talk about micro tears. Um, it actually microscopic damage to the muscle that can follow through into connective tissues. Um, in really extreme situations, you see it in bone, and that's where you kind of start looking at you're at high risk or in the process of developing like a stress fracture. Um, it's all the things that because your body's stress is getting beaten up. Mm. So cellular level cells are essentially being worn out. Yeah, you're like... Yeah, as you said, you're literally tearing muscle. You're literally damaging cells. Yeah, yeah. And so the process of recovery at that cellular level is our, and it's an immune system function, actually. Our immune system sends through the cells, like the immune cells that kind of they look at, okay, well, here I am in this muscle. I'm taking stock. That cell is too far gone. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to just take it out of circulation. So essentially decommission it. Those cells over there, eh, they're they're a little rough around the edges, but we can put them back together. Um, And the, you know, overall, let's just put some new ones in. So next time this happens, we'll be a little bit better prepared for it. Mm. So we kind of, it's not just the rebuilding, but it's actually it's again science term supercompensation. So we develop the additional resources to better withstand stress next time. Essentially, that's where you get stronger. That's where you get more fit. You are more capable. And all of that happens during the recovery phase. That right? is correct. Yeah. And basically, look, if you want to be really broad about it, recovery is all the time that you were not moving. Mm-hmm. But as, as, we said looking at recovery as a specific thing that you can do. There, there are specific activities that will help support your body in doing that better, faster, more efficiently. Hmm. Yeah. What happens if we don't recover? We break. We break. Yeah. I mean. How so? Muscles will have big tears. They'll put you out of action for a while. So that's a muscle strain that you talk about. A, if we look at connective tissue, you'll have a joint Drain, sorry, 
muscle strain, joint sprain. Um, it, it's essentially where that tissue becomes so damaged and without enough repair time will continue to just get build layers on layers on layers of damage. So it's like tearing it and then it tears a little bit more and tears a little bit more. And eventually it tears so much that it doesn't function without pain. And if you keep going on that, which you theoretically could, it's going to break all the way. So literally you can snap ligaments and tendons and muscles that can tear into two pieces. So what you're saying is it's a bit like a pizza dough. A little bit. You can pull if it. If you roll it too thin, <laughs> you're going to go and uh, break it. But if you go fold it back over and roll it out again, it can get a little bit stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm this. working this pizza yeah, I'm metaphor. enjoying this. Enjoying this. Um, so, you know, and that's more of, that's our musculoskeletal perspective on things. So that's our, our soft tissues specifically. Um, it also will contend, sorry, can just make you weak. So the in your earlier, a lack of recovery, a lack of recovery okay. can you will be fatigued because right. you just you haven't got enough to draw okay. from to really put the oomph into whatever you're trying to do. Um, so theoretically, you should have the strength, but the muscle is not prepared to mm-hmm. give that output. Makes sense. Um, other things, immune systems get overloaded, so you can be a little bit more prone to catching whatever illness is floating around. Um, there's a big brain perspective to this. So you can have the tiredness that goes with it of trying to recover and trying to just manage your body as it's not doing so well and you're continuing to live your life. So you can be a bit mentally foggy. Um, poor decision-making is a hallmark of that. Uh, if you're an athlete or if you're playing recreational sport, having slower reaction times is a, is a big one for that as well. Um, and just its overall physical stress leads to things like weight gain and feeling crappy and general poor health. Mm, yeah, we talked about this in a previous episode yeah. of that brain-body link of stress that you're putting on yourself. And if you're not having adequate recovery, that a lot of the other bodily functions, as you said, like weight gain or um, mental fog, etc., is sort of a physical manifestation of what's happening below the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and really we're striving to not have those, you know, to, to be free of those. That's when we probably know that we're adequately recovered. Yeah. Speaking of that, is there any indicators of, you know, when, when we can, is there any hallmarks that we can look for to check for, reco- you know, if we are recovered to understand if we are need in need of additional recovery that's a really great question um there are many and varied ways that you can look at those sorts of things that can be very specific um Mm -hmm. when i was working in pro sport we we actually used an ankle mobility test to look at general muscle conditioning and muscle recovery so if you if we know that your standard mobility is this many centimeters and you're just consistently not hitting that Eh, your body is kind of holding back a little bit. So you can do things like that. And in in terms of kind of general population, general at-home DIY, say you were going to try and touch your toes every morning and you just use that as a hallmark, a benchmark of how do I normally feel with this? How do I feel with this today? And you can kind of gauge based on that. So you could use any movement like that. Um, If you are weightlifting are you hitting your normal numbers? Mm, if you, so say yeah. you normally do a squat with um, the bar plus 20 kilos on each end 
and that normally feels pretty good, pretty easy, pretty doable. And then today or for this past week, it's been, well, that's been, I've been really pushing to get that. So that can be a way to say, right, uh, something's, I just haven't got as much in the tank. Something's mm-hmm. kind of not up to speed. Um, if you're more cardio based, if you go for a run and you normally run five kilometers and you normally do it in 28 minutes and the last week or so you've been hitting more that kind of 30, 32 and it feels the same or it's feeling harder, something's up, right? So those are, it's, uh, I guess what I'm really trying to put forth there is that look at what you normally do. How do you normally feel with it? Are you on track with that? If things are feeling harder, if they're taking longer, if you're not able to do it as well, that's when I would really be starting to look at dialing in your recovery efforts a little bit more. So you use some benchmarks. Yeah. And work around that. Is uh, opposite end of the scale too much recovery? Again, we're probably talking more specific. This is getting really, yeah, this is more talking more high performance probably stuff, but. No, actually. General population, you know, it's going to take a while <laughs> in, to hit a space from, you know. I think in 12 years of working in high performance and general population clinical exercise, I have never seen anybody who is over-recovered. Mm. You should just feel like a million bucks. Yeah. So it, is that a problem i don't think so <laughs> and there's a pretty big window there it's yeah. been a while since i've read done, done the research around this but i'm pretty sure for like muscle astro- astro- uh, atrophy like you've got like a three two to three month window um and i mean and i think it's important to consider that we are all in a constant state of flux too so oh, we're, we're talking about recovery from a what we have been talking about is recovery from a specific exercise yes. and um, you know, effort perspective, but daily life requires recovery as well. Yes. So it's looking at where's the interplay between those two physical stressors, daily life activities, and then anything that you're doing as a workout. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is some people freak out too much. Like, Oh, I've had three days off. Oh yeah. No, and you're just like, n- like you, you got the, time. <laughs> the window is not that small that suddenly you're going to lose any performance. If no. anything, you, you might very well find the opposite happens. Yeah. And I also think too, it's really important to remember in that flux, we always are a little bit better, or a little bit worse, but also nothing happens that quickly. No. Right. So are you 0.02% worse today because you've had a week off? Maybe. Is it real easy to get that back? Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably the flip side of we all know that progress can sometimes be slow. We can't just go to the gym and in the space of three days go from lifting 10 kilos to 100 kilos. It doesn't happen. And the opposite is true as well. We we don't just lose that ability at the drop of a hat. Um, Right. No. It it takes time. It all takes time. Yeah. So embracing... Embracing the rest is okay. It's a and beautiful thing. Freak out about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that is. It's a really, really valuable point to make. Is that generally speaking, you will not go backwards. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So, if you had time for only one recovery activity, what would it be, Dave? What's the thing that really helps you feel better to continue to do the work that you do? So my general type of movement, um, high impact cardio and some weight training, 
I would say a, a stretching or a yoga type movement, which is probably not the answer I would have told you 12 months ago. That's okay. But I found that to be probably the most beneficial for me, some kind of uh, still some movement in my body. Um, I like a combination of triggering, rolling, massage, gentle movement, walking, etc., as a form of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, yeah, I think a stretch routine where I'm being a little bit more active within my body is really important. Actually, talking about recovery, I had a really good uh, realization over the Christmas period. So I took maybe three weeks off teaching a lot of my high-impact classes and thinking that I would go back, be really stiff because I'm not, you know, stiff and tight because I'm not doing the usual movement types I was doing. Mm-hmm. Actually, I wasn't teaching anything. I was teaching nothing. And I went back and taught my first um, uh, balance class and my hamstrings were the most flexible they have ever been. Yay. I could So normally I could not stand, like do a standing twist with um, like holding onto my foot. You know, mm-hmm. I'm standing up, holding onto my foot, extending it fully and then reaching behind me. No way in hell. I've always got to have a knee bend. But after three weeks off and actually I was doing renovations, so I was still quite physical and I thought I'd be quite, yeah, hunched over and terrible. I was able to, to do that with ease. Since I've been back into my movement pattern, I've lost that again. Yeah. But I know it's there. So that was a, a surprise and a reminder for me to go, rest is good. Yeah. And changing what you're doing is going to sometimes give you what you want. Yeah, yeah. And what, a, what an awesome experience, right, to have that so obvious. I said it to my members. I'm like, oh, it's a Christmas miracle. I'm not going to be able to do this by the end of the month. But, you know, for some reason, just well, I know exactly what it is. It was rest and recovery. And I wasn't putting that same tension through my legs that I wasn't. And my body had a chance to go, oh, I can let go of this and to lengthen them a bit. So um, for, for my purposes, absolutely stretching. Um, I would say... It, if you if you're doing a regular stretch or a yoga practice, it, it is a practice, and you need to do it with some frequency. It doesn't have to be every day. I you know I probably like to do it at least twice a week on my own. Um, mine is predominantly um, lower body and some some twists that I find the most benefit out of. Um, I like to start with bigger movements, mobilizing my whole body, and then getting down into the nitty gritty muscles and um, and finding some some recovery through that. Um, as you well know, my terrible hips. Um, <laughs> They're getting better. Yeah, well, look, Been working a, on this a for a while. It's a work in progress. I think, if, uh, I think some of the, the other good things to do is to make it fun, um, whether that's creating you know a bit of a ritual around it, put on some nice music, have some nice lighting. That's definitely part of it enjoy for me. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah. You know, make it something, like an enjoyable recovery that you can get behind and you look forward to doing. Um, I kind of play it day by day as far as what I'm feeling and if something's really tight, um, take your time with it as well. And sometimes I like to come back to, to movement. So I'll do some hamstring stuff, then maybe some hips, then maybe some twists and then I'll come back and do some more hamstrings and, and you just like recovery. You notice that your body's a bit more yeah. loose and you're ready to go. I absolutely love that. Start, do some things, go back to that start mm-hmm. point, remeasure, kind of recheck. How's that going now? Mm reassessment really yeah and something like the stretch as well is it's something that's actually really easy to jump online put on a youtube video of someone doing some yoga or a stretch class as well 
um, that you can follow along. That's pretty straightforward to make that happen for yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. What about you, Erin? Sleep. I love it. That would be your Sleep one recovery one activity. Thing. So even if I never stretched again, never got in a foam roller, never yeah. had any hands-on massage sort of treatment, um, it, I think sleep is the most underrated thing. I think you're right. We, I mean, be, and I guess because we all do it, right? We all, we all do have it. to. We have so to, we yeah. kind of don't really put a lot of thought into it, but we are all much better off when our sleep quality is high. And it, interestingly, actually, there is some research out there that says that your sleep quality matters a lot more than your sleep quantity. So mm. we, were ta- we talked about this in a previous podcast a little bit. Um, most of us need, according to the science, need kind of that seven to eight hours. But what they're also seeing is that if you are sleeping less but sleeping really well, <clears throat> excuse me, um, won't matter quite as much if you don't get that duration. Yep. But then that begs the question, how do you control your sleep? Because you are, by definition, not conscious. <laughs> so it's, it, and that really all comes down to how do you set yourself up to sleep well? So we talk about sleep hygiene, and that's, that's the medical term for the routine that we come into or the routine that we have prior to going to bed. Now, that can be a really positive routine or maybe a less delightful routine or a less nice way to set yourself up. Um, So the things that we ultimately want to do with this routine is we want to tell your brain that, hey, it's time to start to wind down. It's time to, we're going to go to sleep soon. How do we drop into a good quality sleep more quickly? How do we settle? How do we be kind of cool, calm, collected? Um, and so the, some of the things that we know, and I think these are the big rocks. There's, you can really dig into this sort of stuff. And it's, it's really fascinating stuff too. Um, but we want to minim- minimize our stimulants. And not like, yes, caffeine is a big part of that. But it's also just anything that's making your brain go, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Oh, got to think about that. Oh, got to remember that. We want your brain to go the other way and be like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. We're chill now. Um, So the things that we know are kind of that mental stimulant. Um, Exercise is actually once a less a mental, but because you've got so so much oomph going through the rest of your body, your heart rate goes up. You actually get a lot more blood flow to your brain as well, and it can keep you a little bit more active. Um, And you've got the hormonal response to the movement as well that keeps you a little bit physically more active. So your brain is going to respond to that. Um, you're up more from an energy Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, Food is a big one. So if you eat closer to bedtime, your body is, again, it's going to be a little bit more active, not quite in that settle phase as much. So, and there's, you know, there's always an individual element to this. So some people tolerate closer to bedtime meals than others, but generally speaking, we find that we want to have a little bit of a gap an hour or two if we can. Caffeine, obviously, is a stimulant by definition, not particularly helpful. We all have different tolerances. Um, I know that if I have caffeine after about 3 p.m., I am not wired when I go to bed, but I am also not dropping off as quickly. Mm, I need to retest that. I, I literally used to sometimes have a coffee and then go to bed. My husband does that. and But now I think as I get older... Now I'm, I am becoming more aware of caffeine um, 
I think I've never really been that sensitive to it, but yeah, I think over time maybe I am. Well, you know, and you wonder too how much of this is normal, right? Yeah. Because like I said, you can have your routines, they just might not be the most optimal routines or the routines that best set you up for X, Y, or Z. Um, so yeah, I'd play with it, you know, and, and ultimately that's what this boils down for everybody is what's going to work for you. But these are the things that I would be considering. Truthfully, do you have your phone in your bedroom? Oh God, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and that is definitely a big one on the list, right? So what's our, or anything that's got your brain engaged yeah. is going to keep you a little bit more stimulated, a little bit more awake, definitely less ready to drop off into good quality sleep more quickly. Um, screen time is far and away one of the biggest things now that we're seeing with people that are a distraction for that or a, you know, just a disruptor of quality. Mm -hmm. Um, and we all do it almost to a person, right? So I've always been really big on no screens in the bedroom. I don't take my computer into the bedroom. I don't, we don't have a team. TV in the bedroom. I would never do that. Does not stop me watching TV right before I go to bed yeah. out in the living room. And dear God, yes, I love to read on my phone before I go to bed. Yeah. Is this the most useful? No, it's not. Um, yeah. Look, we're so, we're so surrounded by technology. What are you going to do? I, th I think there are a couple of ways you can maybe use technology. You can kind of wind it down a little bit more. I think um, using on my phone and my watch after 8 p.m., I think all of my notifications are silenced. So yep. at least I'm not as tempted to, like, you know, I'm not as likely to become alerted to something. I have to more actively look at my phone. Yep. So that's something, a habit that I've just had for a couple of years of I just set that up automatically on my phone so it's not going to, like, harass me. If you want to talk to me between, like, 8 and 8, and eight really, it's not going to happen. I definitely... I never have my phone on. Good work boundaries. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm like you're on your own. I'm sorry <laughs> about that. Um, I, I'm, I might call me a bad friend. You know, I'm not, if you call me at 1am to come pick you up, it's not happening hmm, because my phone's not going to ring and I will be fast asleep. So uh, I think the, the whole like blue light filters, that's just tech companies ways to try and make us feel better about using phones late at night. Uh, yeah, look, like I, there's, I'm sure there's some science to it, but going, it's okay to use your phone in bed as long as the blue light filters on is, I was going to bring up the blue light filters actually. Oh. Um, so th they are actually really useful. Yeah. They, and it depends on how kind of extreme the filter is that you put on it, but mm -hmm. I've got, so I've got a program on my laptop that will, once the sun goes down, actually start changing the, the hue of the light that comes out. So it kind of it takes the blue out and yep. puts the orange mm -hmm. in, which is more mimic, mimicking of candlelight, fire, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, is it still an artificial light source? Yes. Is it better for you? Also, yes. Mm -hmm. And on my phone, I've got the same. I've got a blue light filter that comes yep. on at, I think, 6 o'clock it's set to come on. Yeah. Um, Look, you are 1,000% still better off not having any screens, but the, if you are, and this is, a, you know, this is kind of a real-life sort of thing, if you are going to be watching something or looking at a screen in some way, shape, or form, having that blue light filter on there will actually make a difference. Yeah. Um, you could experiment with putting it away. Mm -hmm. It's a thing. It is a Not thing. a thing that I'm particularly successful at myself personally, but is a thing. What other hygiene things can we do in the bedroom um, for our sleep? Have a, 
have a place that you really love. Mm. So if you if your bedroom is just like, oh, I just threw it together and I'm, I don't really like those sheets that much and they're kind of scratchy, not very comfortable, or I hate my mattress, or that pillow's not right, or I walk in there and I just hate the way it looks. Uh-huh. Um, none of that will actually help. So setting up a space where you are comfortable and happy to go to and happy to be in that is a little bit calming, that's a really nice way. So you can, you know, if you've got the the time, money, energy to invest in creating essentially kind of a, a cozy, comfortable place. You know, we think about animals, they go and they curl up somewhere that they feel safe. Mm-hmm. We are animals deep down. We will respond nicely to that. I th- absolutely. Yeah. You've got to remember you're spending a lot of time in bed. Hopefully. <laughs> Even though you might be unconscious for it, having a good mattress, having comfy pillows, as you say, some sheets that feel good. I'm very fussy about lighting in the bedroom. Like I yeah. let's not do any overhead lighting. It needs to be soft, warm lamps, dull, you know, to really soothe you down in, which is kind exactly of it, right? mimicking almost that kind of sunsetty vibe and just yeah. really conducive. It's a, yeah. It's a whole, it's almost like a romancing of yourself to sleep. Yeah. You've got to kind of come, yeah, come down and. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of walking into something with a, you know, if a, a harsh overhead fluorescent light and it's jump straight in, in between, delightful. in between the uh, laundry that you haven't put away yet. Right. And um, some, a stack of books or something and the coffee mug that you haven't moved in three months next to the bed um if you can have just a nice space with minimal distractions in it yeah definitely gonna just be, you know think about when you go to a nice hotel and how nice it is yeah exactly. do you sleep well in hotels generally yes i think some of the yeah providing it's a good mattress probably right. the for me it's it's a very much a luxury where you're like oh, just this and nice i think it's because space. there's just exactly it is just clean yeah there's nothing there to really kind of pick at my brain and be no. like or, or i shouldn't say pick at my brain but that my brain is picking at yep. subconsciously like oh what about that oh what about that oh yep. what about that it's just a it's it's empty yep and that makes it so easy to just you know, shut it down mm-hmm. turn it off go to sleep it's just it's just a beautiful thing the other thing i really like about hotel rooms is um and we can absolutely mimic this to varying degrees i suppose anyway in in our own bedrooms is Dark is mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. So our, our natural circadian rhythm, as the sun goes down, we are more or less designed to start slowing down. Electricity, indoor lighting, screen time, all, you know, all of these modern conveniences and technologies, they have really extended our days much more. And that's only in the last, what, probably a couple hundred years that mm-hmm. we're starting to see this drastic change in lifestyle. But we used to be, as a, as a species and as a culture up more with the sun, sleeping more with the sun, or so sun up, sun down, right? And we're active while the sun is up and less active while the sun is not up. Um, so if we can create darkness and really true darkness, and this kind of goes into the screen elements of things, but also just generally curtains, I, block the light out, don't have, don't leave the lights on. Mm-hmm. The darker it is, the more your brain's going to be like, cool, time to sleep. Mm. Um, and cool Temperature-wise, actually, is a really important thing. Uh, or I'm, 
we can all sleep in varying degrees, but if you've ever had a really hot night where maybe the air conditioning is broken or it's just a million degrees outside, how well do you sleep? Yeah. Not particularly well, right? It's harder to cool off. Than it is to get warm. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Old research, I'm reaching back to uni days now, so this is some time ago. (laughs) But I, I think that it's still holding pretty true from the bits and pieces I've seen since. Around that 18 to 20 degrees Celsius is a pretty sweet spot temperature wise for us. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know somebody else out there I'm sure does, but physiologically we tend to chill mentally as well as physically, um, translate that to Fahrenheit. That's probably mm, 60, mid sixties Fahrenheit for anybody who is in the old scale or or in the U S Um, but cool, right? You okay. want to be a little bit on that the is cool pretty, side. That is a lot cooler than I'm probably running at 23 degrees in my bedroom. Yeah. But that's more because of probably what we're used to, you know, setting air cons at all. Yeah. And, you know, and again, we all, we do acclimate to different things. Mm. Um, I definitely sleep better in winter. Like I, yeah. there's nothing better than being a little bit chilly out of bed and just being able to snuggle up in yeah. bed. It, it's and it's so just nice, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think uh, sleep is the big thing for me. That's if I could only do one recovery thing for the rest of my life, I would really put my time and effort into sleeping well because everything else works better when you do that. So let's recap today uh, on recovery. Um, I just had another thought of, actually had a conversation with someone at the gym yesterday who was just saying oh I've done you know have many classes this week and look I'm guilty of that but that's more of it's a work necessity and he was like you know I'm gonna get really fit and strong and I was like I had to sort of say you know that you do need time out like mm-hmm. he was visibly he'd just done literally two classes in a row and I was like ah you probably, probably you know you're not you're not gonna be going on the right path or you need to make sure you incorporate some good recovery into that um yeah you was, can't keep going forever no. because your body will forcibly make you recover that is very true when you break that is very true so yeah that's definitely a good point so recovering um recovering from today <laughs> wrapping up today <laughs> it's really important that you find that balance in the scale between exercise and movement and recovery creating mental recovery creating physical recovery and trying to find some steps uh we talked about uh, my preference of stretching and Aaron in sleep as well, which are both great recovery techniques, but just being aware of how your body's feeling, maybe even switching activity for a while as mm-hmm. well. If you're doing lots of cardio, switch it up for something else or just try and flip that coin and, and check in with your body and look for the absence of, you know, pain and strain, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else to add? I don't think so. I mean, there's lots of ways that you can recover. you got to find what works for you. That's it. That's it. All right. Uh, look, until next time, if you want to stay healthy the common sense way, like, follow, and subscribe to the show wherever it is that you find your podcast. Until next time, um, keep ordering that deep dish pizza. My name's Dave. I'm Erin, and I like New York style. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>